0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. Today's questions are about kindergarten readiness and how to deal with negative attention-seeking behavior, or should I say negative behavior for the purpose of (laughs) attention-seeking, The first question is from Preeti, who asks, my question is around school readiness of my child. In Australia, the cutoff date is the 31st of July. So of all the children who are turning five before July 31st are eligible to start school in the year. My daughter is well within the range. To give you some background, she has been attending daycare from the age of one and a half and now can read letters, numbers, write her name, etc. She has toilet trained as well, can bathe independently and dress herself, etc. In June this year, her preschool had given us heads up that she is more than ready to start school next year, but a month in, her school orientation teacher came back and said whether we will consider keeping her a year back as they think she might benefit from doing this. Now, this feedback was given after a 20-minute session with about 20-odd kids in class, Then we went back and chatted with the preschool again, who clearly said that pushing her back a year would be detrimental for her, and there is a risk she would become uninterested in any activities. As parents, we also think she is emotionally ready to start school. The only thing is at times I have seen her being bossed around by kids a few months older than her. She tends to follow them rather than asking them to follow her. Is it a sign of not being emotionally mature, or could it very well still happen next year even if she's pushed back another year? Also, are there some techniques that I can teach her to handle bossy kids? Thanks in advance. Now, I followed up with Pretty with a few clarifying questions so I could get a better understanding of the scenario before I answered her questions. I first wanted to know if she had any idea why the school is recommending holding her daughter back. What is the school's concern? Um, I also wanted a clarification on her school year for me because being in the Northern Hemisphere in the United States, things work a little bit differently here. I know their school year runs a little bit differently than ours, so... Um, I asked her to clarify that for me because for us here in our school district and other school districts around the U.S., the dates are actually pretty similar. Here, our child has to turn five, I believe, by August 1st or August 15th. It's something within the August time range. So that was similar. Um, But our school year starts in August. So it's right before the school year starts. So she said she's expected to start kindergarten next year. They have quarters with two weeks in between. Summer is almost eight weeks. The break is over December and January. The school year is from the end of January to the beginning of December. So the school teachers felt that in the class... That she was talking and looking for the teacher rather than just playing with the kids. And when the teacher moved on from activity to activity, she had to be separately told to move on. She completed the activities at hand and then moved on. But both of these behaviors they felt were associated with a younger child. Since Preeti is a member, I went ahead and answered her questions for her right away and gave her the following information based on my knowledge about the American school system and their expectations for kindergarten readiness what I told her was, I haven't seen your daughter. So I, when I haven't seen a child interact in person, I can't really get a great feel. I'm only going on what I've been told and the information that's being reported. So I can't offer any professional opinion about her developmental level about that. But given that her preschool feels that she was ready, and these are professionals who worked with her for quite a while, it sounds like she is most likely ready for kindergarten. It doesn't sound like from Pretty's description, that she's not emotionally mature either. That type of behavior probably has a lot more to do with her temperament. And the fact that these kids were a little bit older, or if there were more than one of them addressing her at once, etc. This can make almost any child feel like they kind of need to fall in line. Now, a lot of kids and people are not naturally extroverted. There's a lot of bias in the world against people who are more introverted. Now I'm not saying Preeti's daughter is or is not introverted. I'm only going on what I've been told. I can't quite tell from just that little bit of information. But if she is, if she happens to be a little more introverted, then she might be looking towards a teacher or someone else for a little more positive feedback to know that she's on the right track. And that's okay. But there are a lot of strengths in being introverted or less outgoing. They tend to be naturally better listeners, problem solvers, and believe it or not, better leaders because they listen and not just talk. Now, also, I happen to be a pretty introverted person. I was a very shy child. I am not good at walking into a room full of people that I don't know. It is makes me so nervous and so anxious. I'm great in small groups. I'm great with really good friends. I have a small group of really close friends. And every time I go to a business function or I I talk with a mentor, they always talk to me about networking, networking, networking. And I'm just like, I, that is not my strength. That is not what I like to do. I'm very uncomfortable. I'm not good with the small talk. I'm not good with the chit chat. I like to get to know people deeply and truly one-on-one or in a small group. So this is not a weakness. This is just a difference. And it tends to, in the business world and in the school system, tends to be looked at as a weakness or, um, yeah, it can tend to be looked at as a weakness. And I just don't think that should be the case. And we need to start looking at the strengths in introversion and shyness. And I am going to be offering a class on this in the future as well. One of the ones, many on my list to get to. Now, as far as handling bossy kids, I let pretty know that she can let her daughter know she never has to do anything for anyone that she doesn't want to when another child tells her to. Basically, we want to teach our children to speak about what they would like. I'd like to play with that block, but I'm going to put it here instead of there. Or I don't want to be a princess. I want to be the horse. Or whatever it is that the child would prefer. To let the other kids know that I want to play with you. I want to do this. I want to play in your scenario. But I would prefer to do things this way than the way that they've been instructed to do. So a lot can happen, now initially when the question was asked, in those four months, now another month and a half to two months. So these things that she's brought up seem like really minor things to me. And I'm not sure of the expectation in the Australian school system. But here in the U.S., It's more about can kids sit and listen and follow directions? Do they have the fine motor skills to write, even if they aren't doing their letters yet? Do they have the fine motor skill, the muscle strength to hold a pencil, whether they know how to do it properly yet or not? Do they have those muscles developed to be able to do this and learn to take that on pretty quickly and move forward in kindergarten? Can they problem solve with their peers? Can they play with their classmates, share ideas, and cooperate in a way that everyone enjoys the play? whether it's a game, building or creating, imaginative play, can they do this together and get along relatively well without always getting angry or huffing off or losing their temper? Now, those are the criteria that we look for here. I could see that if her daughter were consistently needing to be told about moving to the next activity or what the next step was or how to complete the activity, and after several days of this same routine, that they might consider that as a need to work on listening and following directions. But, Was she finishing the activity without extra individual instruction? It sounds like she is. So then she is listening and following the directions in some aspects. And perhaps just one of the pieces wasn't clear to her. How did the preschool feel about her listening skills? That was another question to Preeti. And it sounds like they had no concerns over all of this. Now, we've had a consistent issue with one of our kids throughout school. It started in transitional kindergarten. And he struggled with a couple of things. Now, I talked about this when our kids, if our kids weren't five by that cutoff date, which I believe was around October 1st, but they turned before December 15th, they had a TK program, a transitional kindergarten program to sort of give those kids a little more academics, but without starting in the full kindergarten program yet. Now, he struggled with listening and following directions. He didn't quiet down when the teacher would ask. He would keep talking. Now, I ignored it in transitional kindergarten because some skills just take longer for some kids. In kindergarten, I heard it again, but I ignored it again because even in kindergarten, I felt they were too academic. Our schools are still too academic in kindergarten. It's not play-based enough. And so some kids just aren't ready for that as early as others, but he needs to be in the environment. He needs to learn what's expected. He needs to build some of those foundations to get to first, second, third grade and build on up. Now, most of these kids tend to be boys, not girls, but girls can struggle too. So again, I didn't worry about it. Then I heard it in first grade. I called a meeting with the teacher and the school psychologist because I was tired of teachers telling me what my kid was doing in school when there was nothing I could do about it. I need to be informed. I need to know, but I can't really help him. And a lot of times they were looking to me to kind of straighten him out at home and send him back to school. When they're in school, it's up to the teacher to keep him on task if that's what they need him to do to help him refocus, give him the tools to do his schoolwork in the classroom. So I felt like it was time to get an assessment. So I just wanted to alert the school that if there is an issue that they need to be getting him the tools and some extra support to focus, whether it's a privacy board or extra time to finish some work, whatever. I didn't end up going through with the assessment myself. I needed to fill out some paperwork and because he seemed to improve on the next report card and again by the end of the year, I just let it go to see what would happen. Now in second grade, I was expecting to hear some repeats of what I had heard for the past three years and I did hear a lot of it, but he isn't interrupting anymore and he isn't talking too much. And so that seems to have improved, but the listening and following directions is still a struggle. So, so I asked his current teacher if I should go ahead with the assessment. And she said, it's not a bad idea. So we did get the results and we are doing some continued testing. But I shared all of this with Preeti because I wanted to let her know that kids develop different skills at different rates and different ages. Some will walk early but talk late. Some are adding easily but struggle to read. Some are great with reading but struggle to make and keep friends. And it takes extra support or a few years sometimes for some kids to catch up in one area or another. So It's never good to get all up in arms and alarmed about one little area of behavior or one little area of learning. Just keep note of it, keep supporting, keep teaching, keep working, make it fun. Now, sometimes, like my son, it starts to appear to be pervasive, and then it's time to take a deeper look at what could be going on. But if I had had a teacher who told me to hold him back, now they never recommended this, thank goodness, because he struggles with impulses or listening or following directions, his issue wouldn't have been fixed by waiting a year. And academically, he would have then been extremely bored. So I wasn't saying that her situation is similar to ours or that it will be, but it could potentially be. It's just something to keep an eye on. Now, it seems like in most areas, her daughter is on track, at least according to her preschool teachers. So... If you decide to go ahead and move forward and have her start with her peers for school, it may just be an area to keep your eye on for improvement. It could just develop and all click before she starts or even shortly after, or she may struggle with it for a bit. But you keep an eye on it, keep it in mind as a whole child, her strengths and struggles when making the decision. Because I never want to tell a parent, you should do this or you should do that. The truth is you got to take all the criteria, take all the information you have and parent, like you guys know your kids more than anybody else. And if you're being realistic with yourself about your child, about your child's skills and abilities, then you're going to make the best decision for your child based on your own experience with your child. And even a lot of gut instincts, like we just know, um, we just know when something's wrong, or we know when something's off, or we know when um, our kids are probably going to thrive and do just fine and may need a little extra help. And that's, you know, one of the most important things we do as a parent. We tune into our kids and we do the best we can for them. We make the best decisions. Sometimes we realize, oops, we maybe should have made another one and we correct it. It's all good. For any parents who are curious about kindergarten readiness or the types of preschools that are going to help get their child there, there is a class on the website, yourvillageonline.com. It is called Finding a Preschool and that is under the education section. I give information about all the different types of preschools out there, what their philosophies are, and how they help, and how all of these schools, almost every single different type of school helps a child get ready for kindergarten in all the ways that are important. And the one type of school that all of the child development experts say to just steer clear of because it actually works against having a child emotionally and socially ready for kindergarten, which is really is the most important piece. Because if they can sit still and listen, then they're going to learn well. If they can get along with their peers, they're not going to have struggles socially and be, um, and be anxious and upset about their friendships and therefore be ready to focus and pay attention in school. and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HIPAA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting to get your code for 15% off your order. Because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads. Love where you live. Now, the next question is about negative behavior that seems to be about seeking attention. Amy explains, my family needs help understanding how to better coach our three-year-old son away from tantrums and hitting his younger sister. My son will be three years old this month, and my daughter turned one in August. My son is super engaged, funny, affectionate, smart, and my husband and I are both very close with him. But for the last year, since the birth of his sister, really, his behavior has been extremely challenging. We have periods of relative peace, but much of our days are spent keeping him away from his sister because he hits her. Sometimes we can tell it's out of frustration with her or with the situation he's in, but other times it's completely out of the blue. It could happen when we're changing her diaper or when she's in her high chair or when they're just playing together. Oftentimes a hug can turn physical and aggressive. Secondly, And this is usually wrapped up in the same frustrating package. He is struggling with tantrums. He will let out a high-pitched scream at the top of his lungs when he doesn't get what he wants. This doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, it can last from a few minutes to 20 minutes of screaming. Lately, it often dissolves into an emotional breakdown where the subject of the tantrum turns from not getting what he wants into something that is sad or scary to him. Now, my husband and I try hard to stay calm, but the screaming drives us both insane, understandably, and the hitting of his sister is extremely discouraging and makes us both angry. When a tantrum starts or when he hits his sister, we try to help him name his emotions and what's making him upset. We try to help him take deep breaths. We tell him that feeling angry, sad, or frustrated is okay, but that he cannot hit. But often I feel like we're trying to speak with him about these things and he's just screaming in our faces or continuing to hit us. So then I'll try walking away for a few minutes. But when I leave, he either follows me or finds something in the room to throw. Now, Amy is also a member, so I was able to respond to her question right away as well. And so this is what I shared with her. So this pattern of behavior looks to be attention-seeking through these negative behaviors. He's looking for attention, and it really makes sense that it happened shortly after his sister was born. So I definitely wanted to help her get this turned around as quickly as possible. So I told her I want to work really, really diligently for two weeks and giving lots of positive attention. Lots of attention for his positive behaviors. This is the way we can really get in there and dig in and get that behavior turned around. This is where you really want to teach your kids that this is what will get attention. The positive behaviors will get the attention. So here are some things that I gave her. Positive reinforcement. Now all of these are under positive discipline classes on the website. Also discipline tools for toddlers, discipline tools for preschoolers, and they're all listed out separately. And this one is under focus on the positive, And there's three or four tools in that one, but positive reinforcement is one of them. And I said, every time he acts nicely towards his sister, he uses his words instead of having a meltdown. He's playing quietly by himself. He's eating his vegetables, anything positive you see him doing, tell him. I see you're sharing nicely with your sister. That's being a good friend or that's being a good sibling. That's being a good brother. You got dressed all by yourself. That's very independent. Thank you for using your words to explain why you're upset. That is very helpful. Try to find as many things as you can throughout the day to give him positive reinforcement. This will help him know This is what my mom likes to see. This is what will get me attention, and he will do more of it. They also start to see themselves as the thing that they're being labeled. So a good friend, a good brother, independent, helpful, these types of things. Then he starts to take that on. I'm independent. I'm helpful. I'm a good big brother. And he'll start to do more things that fulfill that category. Now, in the class, I talk more about how to do positive reinforcement, the steps, different ways in different scenarios, and the exact way to structure it, and lots of ideas for labels that you can use in all different kinds of scenarios. Special time. Now, this can be difficult in busy families and multiple kids, but you want to try to get some one-on-one time with one parent, both parents, each parent separately, whatever you can do. It doesn't have to be big or long or fancy. It can be playing blocks for 15 minutes. It can be reading a book at bedtime. It can be running an errand. But where the focus is on that one child, chatting about the trip, what new fruits or vegetables would they like to try when you're at the grocery store? Let them pick out some apples. You can do a special outing to the park for ice cream, the playground at the mall, followed by a taco or something else fun at the food court. You name it. So long as it feels that it is his special time set aside with a parent, this will give him attention that he's craving. It doesn't feel like he's always, that he's always competing with his baby sister for attention. So I let her know the negative stuff will still happen. But the first step is to really work on that positive reinforcement to get the positive behaviors going more frequently. And that in turn will decrease the negative behaviors for attention. And then at that point, there are some classes on the website also about how to deal with the negative behaviors, the choices, the consequences, the one, two, three magic, lots of those different tools that you can use for working with that. Ways of getting kids to listen, dealing with the power struggles. And those are all under the discipline section. And since she's a member, I told her if she needed some more guidance on that, I'd be happy to help her delve into that for her unique situation if she had some more questions come up around that. Now, when it comes to tantrums, I let her know that when he's in the throes of a tantrum, there isn't much you can do right in the middle of it. No, he's not in his logical brain, so explaining anything is pretty useless at that point. You can offer to hold him while he calms down, or you can just ignore it while he works through it on his own and then address it afterwards. The best time to help a child work through the tantrum is while they're calming down. This is when you're gonna help them learn better ways and learn to connect with their emotions. So it's while the child is calming down or after the child is calm. But during the tantrum, nothing's gonna get through unless he's okay with being held. Holding him lets him know he's supported regardless of how he's acting and reacting. Lets him know that he's loved and cared for, and when he struggles, you're still there for him. Now, some kids don't want to be held. My son, my younger son, did not want to be held during a tantrum, and that's okay too. But by offering, that's still showing your love and support even when he's struggling. Now, So I let her know, I let Amy know that what she is doing, sharing his emotions and why he got frustrated and talking about why that wasn't a good choice are all good things to do, but you just want to wait for a better time when his brain has calmed down and he's ready to listen and ready to hear, take in that message. If he's screaming and you can't escape, you just need to ignore it as hard as that is. I know it will probably make it more intense because he's going to ratchet it up the first few times to try and get the attention that he used to get. If you have earplugs, seriously consider using them. If you can shut yourself in the bathroom, that's okay too. You can simply say, it's too loud. I'll come out when you're quiet. But if that's not an option, then completely ignoring is the best option here and it will go away. He's not getting a payoff. Once he realizes he's not going to get attention or get what he wants by screaming, it really renders it useless. You're going to have to grin and bear it through that for a little bit. After a week or two, it should really start to lessen if not go away almost completely. Now, I also went into the empathy piece. Empathy is just starting to develop around three. So this is something that a three-year-old doesn't understand much at all. So it's great that she's using it to explain that it hurts his sister when he hits her. And this is important. And it really sets that foundation. And it will help him to develop empathy. But we can't expect him to really understand it for a little while. Now, I think this is interesting. In Spanish, I'm sorry literally means I feel it. So that's when and how an apology comes from, when we feel it. So you can encourage an apology, but forcing one actually works against developing empathy because a child is just starting to work their way through their feelings of their own frustration. They act out because they're angry or frustrated about something. So he's trying to work his way through it. So when a child is in the middle of that frustration, and then they're told to apologize, forced to apologize, many times it leaves them feeling like their feelings were brushed over. And then they feel resentment rather than empathy. So you want to allow the process to develop. The process of working through the frustration to get to the other side, then we can say to our kids, it would be nice to tell your sister you're sorry for hurting her. But if it doesn't come from his internal feelings of empathy, it's just empty words. And sometimes, a lot of times, toddlers will just say, eh, I don't want to. That can make us feel pretty angry because we feel like they're not sorry. But there's not a lot we can do to force it. So keep, you just want to keep working on it. It'd be really nice if you told your sister you're sorry for hurting her. And pretty soon they will. I'm sorry. Now, I've had my kids go, sorry. And then we have to work on that too, because obviously they're not sorry. So we talk about that when they give that very empty sorry or very annoyed sorry. That's not a real sorry. Real apologies are more likely to start happening around age five, maybe four with some really Well, socially, emotionally developed toddlers, but usually five is when there's enough empathy for them to feel bad when they hurt someone. You'll also see this sometimes in kids when someone gets hurt and they're like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Or oh my gosh, what happened? You'll start to see that come in with kids around four or five, and that's a really cool thing to see. We also ran a poll about a month ago about upcoming classes that you guys would like to see. The one that got the most votes was your developing preschooler. And so that class is in production right now. So we're really excited. Hope to have that out in another week or two. That one will be coming as well as teaching a growth mindset, which is a really interesting topic. What's interesting about this, the research has shown that adults who have a growth mindset actually don't pass this on to their kids unless we actually consciously teach it to them. So this class, the teaching a growth mindset is going to be how, what is a growth mindset first of all. And how do we actually teach this to our kids? How do we teach them to have a growth mindset? It's a really amazing, interesting topic. And it's really about how our kids can reach their potential. So I'm really excited. I'm just starting to work on creating that class as well. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.